What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, you just heard it. Sports reporters have assembled. We're all here. We're all celebrating Borat Day here in the here in uh, the United States and all over the world, hopefully, uh, because Borat is uh is out and i'm i'm so excited so my podcasters are here bob Sullivan up there in the northeast of the daily beast bob good afternoon how are you good afternoon uh chase we've discussed this uh you are only allowed to invoke the borat voice for a limited amount of time approximately five percent of the total podcast airtime can be devoted to the borat voice so just Keep a, a, a running tally of how long you're using it, because if not, we're gonna, the FEC is going to shut this shit down. All right? Very nice. Very nice. And- God, yeah, you see? See? God damn it. Andrew? Yeah, uh, so, Chase, here's the thing, buddy. Um, I love you. Uh, but, yeah, uh, Borat voice, you got to... Yeah. There's got to be a limit. There's the got to be some voice tags. is something you share in the group DMs and with loved ones, but very short bursts on the pod. Science has proven <laughs> that if there is too much Borat voice, no one will listen, and rightly so. Mm. Well, I'm already at 5% for this pod, I think. No, your math is almost as bad as your Borat voice, but let's go on. Wow. wow. That was, I'm not saying that that was like, that's, Bob, that's like a, it's a low I, blow, but also like a really cheap, really, really bad cheap shot. Like, Can I break out the old Ashton Kutcher saying burn gif? I feel like it's appropriate at this juncture. It works. It absolutely works. Well, that'll do it for this week of uh, the sports <laughs> reporters. <laughs> I don't know how to move after on. We basically ju- after we basically just like trashed him in like the first three minutes. He deserved it. He oh, it. I deserved yeah, I it, Mr. Sangria and Coke l- drinker. I deserved it, Bob. Uh-huh. Okay, sorry. Yeah, okay. It, it's, it, it's, uh, it has a name, you know. Kakamacha? Coca 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 Cabana, or it is a uh, wow. Mm, don't remember. I don't. It's like kombucha. Wow. Kalimocho. Kalimocho. There Mocho. we go. Kombucha is that drink that they drink that I don't understand. That's somehow fermented. Mm, okay. Yeah, See, I, I, I never understood. I was going to get it. I was going to get it. Yeah, but. that's just kind of. It's green and fermented, and people I know drink it and swear by it, and it somehow has. Uh, Elementary qualities. I'm not exactly sure what they are, but let's let's leave that aside for the moment. Sports, sports, which naturally brings us to Stan Van Gundy. I usually like to transition from 
uh, wine coke talk to the Van Gundy family, uh, as one does. Uh, Stan Van Gundy gets the uh, gets the job with the New Orleans Pelicans. Andrew, when you saw this, were you surprised? Um, I was not surprised uh, because uh, Stan Van Gundy, aka Stan Van, uh, I'm happy he's back in the league. He he is. I'm not saying that you know he's like a top ten coach in the league or whatnot, but there are coaches in the NBA that legitimately look like they have no idea what they're doing, <laughs> and and and, and that I, I and mean, only and only that. a small percentage of them are are run the Knicks, so it's, <laughs> it's right. Well, and and so to see a guy like Stan Van Gundy who knows his basketball who. I was kind of worried. Like I, I figured he'd be pretty decent, you know, uh, uh, decent in spots for his, uh, for, you know, for for doing Turner coverage, and he's really good. And I'm like, I'm learning so much from watching him talk about it and listening to him talk about basketball. So the fact that he can go to a young team, I'm not saying that they're going to be top four in the West next year, but it's a young team that has enough pieces that you could see them making a, a, a run to the playoffs. Yeah, I'm all for it. Um, it I, I have, I, I'm not a fan of retrade coaches, but if this is a guy who is clearly good at what he does and good at helping a young team, all for it. Bob, what do you think? Yeah, Sam's great. Everyone loves Sam. Stan has a spicy Twitter account now. I wonder if he'll keep that going now that he's back in the NBA. Uh, I would bemoan not just his broadcasting skills. I would, I would be sad if we lost some of Stan's spicier political takes. He was better than Jeff. Stan is a better NBA, you know, color commentator than his brother is. I'll say that. Um, Jeff is sort of yeah. Jeff has kind of settled into his uh, curmudgeonly uncle role opposite Mark Jackson, and then sort of beefing with Jacks is his last bit, as well as defending the skills of every single coach who has ever let go. Like there has never been a coach justifiably fired in the NBA to hear Jeff Van Gundy tell it. They were all great. Him, him advocating for Brett Brown. And uh, I, 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 and I kind of picked up on that where, you know, Brett Brown, good dude, absolutely good good dude. But it was, (laughs) A tough situation in Philly. Like, look, they, moving on from Brown was not yeah. a ridiculous decision or an unwarranted decision. He's been there for what? How long has it been? Five years since then? They hired him at the beginning of the process section, so no, it was sooner. It's been seven years. Yeah. Seven years of Brett Brown. So God, when was the Nerlens Noel trade that kicked all this off? 20, was summer, summer 2013? 2013. Yeah. Yeah, 2013. They dealt Drew Holiday to uh, to to use to the, for the sixth pick, and they used that to get Nerlens, and that was the beginning of Hinky's tenure and all the fun that ensued from there. Um, yeah, coaches don't last seven years. I think the only coaches with a longer tenure than than Brett Brown were are Greg Popovich and Rick Carlisle and and Brad Stevens. Yeah. And oh uh, no, and uh, and of course um Miami. Yeah, uh Spall Street. Yeah. Um but yeah, no, um but like hearing hearing Van Gundy and 
Mike Breen basically just kind of like they're trying to defend him, but at the same time, but I've picked up on that theme of Mark Jackson just stays absolutely silent, and I'm like, yeah, Mark, if if I Mark cannot criticize an owner's decision because he is desperate to get back into the head coaching chair. And, and, and he he knows. I'm not saying that it's justifiable that they got rid of Mark Jackson. I I think it's justifiable that, that they got rid of Mark Jackson. I'll I, say it. You don't have to. I will. It uh, is entirely justifiable. Yeah, that they no, got I mean, it, it, it definitely worked out. But I, I I love when Van Gundy is talking about defending coaches. And 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 hearing nothing, Breen nothing. and Brown, or hear, hearing he and Breen talk about Brown, and just Mark Jackson just be completely silent. And like, do I could get this job? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just it's funny to hear that. So like yeah, uh, I I'm gonna miss Stan on commentary, but. You know, Jeff Jeff is okay, but Jeff is in that comfortable phase where, you know how we kind of got with, like, Chris Collinsworth doing Sunday Night Football? It's like, the slide's great, but you're kind of you, – do, do we have to plug fo- pro football focus every single time? <laughs> uh, I, I think with regards to, to – yeah, Stan, that's a good situation for him. Um, I think he'll – you know, so much of Stan Van Gundy's, the perception of what he is as a coach is built around him being like his brother, uh, you know, a, a, a defense first guy. And he does do, he does, what he does with every team is he does some smart things. And one of the first, and, and Dan Devine wrote about this at the ringer this week, that he will clean up some of the basic stuff like defensive rebounding. And make sure that a defensive possession ends with your his team getting the ball. And that may seem like a not a huge accomplishment or something every coach would try to instill. But state, historically, Stan Van Gundy's teams win the rebounding battle, especially on the defensive glass. And that does a huge and it has a tangible impact. And he will do those things. It's a weird, like it's a. I think it depends on which direction you want to go with that team. Do they want to try to move on from Holiday? Like, Drew Holiday is one of my favorite players to watch. He's great. And I think kind of underappreciated in his own way. He is like, a, he's, he can run a team. He can be a score first guard. He is one of the best defensive tip of the spear uh, wing defenders in the NBA. He's incredibly versatile. Like, plug him in on any contender, and they will instantly be X percent better. Um if, if Drew Holiday were, were playing point for the Bucks, they might have been making. They might have. They might have gotten over the hump this year. Um, you could get a serious haul for. I think he's going to be thirty this year, or if not, just turned twenty nine. Um, like he's still got. He's got those Kyle Lowry. I'm going to be good into my early thirties mm. kind of vibe about him. Um, do they want to trade him? They still. You know, what are they going to do with? Uh, with Lonzo Ball, what you know? Are they going to bring back Derek Favors? There are a lot of moving pieces with that team right now. I still think the future that 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 of a winning Pelicans team has Zion Williamson playing center, which is a liability on defense, but could be like the Bucks, so devastating offensively it won't really matter. And, you think and they go small ball. I kind of think they have to. 
I don't think they start off that way. If you watch a lot of... Remember what Stan Van Gundy liked doing in Detroit? He liked the Twin Towers. He was very pro-Twin he Towers. He was did, very pro but like, he didn't have Batman. a choice. He didn't have a choice. He had to play those guys. Well, I mean, he's like, just someone like... who's more comfortable with that. I don't... And I also don't yeah, think... But Zion was, might not be ready for that. Was, Zion will be, what, 20? Like, I don't know if he's yeah, ready I mean, for I that. Can, yeah, no, I, that makes sense. But, I, I mean, I, he, Van Gundy was also the guy in New Orleans who said no... You know, in, in 2008 and 2009, he said, no, actually, our forwards are Richard Lewis and Hito Turkoglu, and the only other team to do stuff like that was the Sun. Mm-hmm. He, he was the first guy to be like, no, we're going to have Dwight Wimroll, and we're going to stash four shooters around him and, and go with that. But um, I feel like Ben Gundy is an underrated offensive mind, and I think he will do interesting things with that team regardless of which direction they go. I hear you about not wanting to put too much. I, I, I don't know. Like you don't want to make, Zion. you don't want to task Zion with being the epicenter of your defense this early. Cause he was so bad defensively it's last no. year that like putting him in that honest role at the five where the everything flows to him. He, I don't, I don't think he's, I think you're that. tasking him with being the epicenter of your team on offense. That's what I think you're tasking with him. Yeah. And you're saying we're going to give up a metric fuckload of points. Mm-hmm. I think that's what you're I don't think saying. he wants that. When has his team's ever wanted that? He's a defensive first guy. Like he really, really cares about the defense. I, I'm just saying what I would do where I woke mm. and running the team. I think that's I, something that I would. I think that's. I think that's what he should do long term. I just would not be surprised if he's like, you know what? I want Jackson Hayes starting at the five. Like I would not be surprised. He could, could absolutely do that. You could resign Favors also, who's a good player. I, I still it, it stuns me by the way that Derek Derek Favors is one of those these how old guys and yet he seems to be in the NBA for forever. I think he's only yeah Derek Favors is only twenty nine. Yeah, and he 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 has been around forever. It stuns <laughs> Derek Favors is only twenty nine years old. But um, yeah, you could you could absolutely play Jackson Hayes like the, the Nets deploy. Um, Jared Allen for 25 minutes a game and let um, and you know and, and let uh, uh, Zion get another 20 minutes a game playing center and another you know 10 minutes a game playing opposite Jackson Hayes and that would be funny I also think um, do you know how close New Orleans and Houston is to each other they're very close they're yes, very they do. close Stan Van Gundy took the New Orleans job do you know who lives in Houston? Who has season tickets to the Houston Texans? And the only reason he wants to take that damn job in Houston is so he doesn't lose his, his Houston tickets. <laughs> yeah, he needs to see Romeo Cornell in action this fall. Um, I think Van Gundy's going to get the Houston job. I think we're getting the the Van Gundy brothers being right next to each other. I think the the stars are aligning for Van Gundy to actually return. Big names. I mean, Dan, I mean, who are the big name coaches out there looking for work right now? Like, unless Houston decides screw it and go with, um, you know, uh, a young up and comer, there aren't a lot of like. I think all the musical chairs have been filled at this point. Mm-hmm. So if Van Gundy doesn't get that job, he's not getting a job. The, the Pacers hired Bjork. That was yeah. kind of surprising to me. I mean, I yeah, didn't hey, know she's a damn good singer, dude. She is. It's nice and quiet. Um, but I didn't know she knew much about basketball still. I, 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 
I, I applaud them for their innovative thinking, their outside-the-box choice with Bjork as, as Pacers head coach. I'm, I'm just waiting for Be- on, on, like in, in all seriousness though, I'm waiting for Becky Hammond to get a job, and maybe she. Maybe she's wait, may, my theory is Pop is going to say, he not. "Hey, he's not giving yeah. it to Becky. He is giving it to um, to Tim Duncan." So, no, he's giving it to the guy, Bill. Um, why am Bill I Self? Yeah, Bill Self. Yes, that's what no, no. Why should no. Bill? Bill Self is going to run towards the San Antonio job once the NCAA sanctions come. That's down. what I'm saying. Like I think once he he's doing the Pete Carroll thing. Once once the hammer really comes down on Kansas, Pop is going to step down because remember Larry Brown was at Kansas and Pop took over for Larry Brown in San Antonio for way back when. Um, they have a very good relationship. I think that would be my guess. I don't think it's any the, of the assistants. You got the full Charlie Day chalkboard with yarn and photos about how Bill Self who's never coached in the NBA is going to end up with the Spurs. I don't think so. I think mm. look, Becky Hammond is smart enough to know that she can wait for a choice gig. And that probably is San Antonio. So it makes, I, it, it makes sense. Honestly, like you could say, Hey, this is a pop pop can be like, Hey, this is my last year, but you know what? You don't have to have a large drawn out coaching search when you've got two capable people on that bench, and I think Tim well, Duncan could actually be a pretty know. decent NBA coach. We have no idea. Like, we have no idea how any coach who hasn't been a head coach before is going to No, nobody, nobody knows That how. really bothers me when we talk about stuff like this. It's like, you have no idea. We have no behind-the-scenes knowledge a, of what happened to be good. There was a good Jared, Jared Dubin study, I think, in 538 a couple of years ago about the success rates of players, of coaches who've never – held the clipboard by themselves before versus rehiring someone who has had a job. And there's no, statistically at least, there is no benefit to doing, to going either way. It comes, it goes like it, nobody knows what makes a good, like the things that make a good head coach are often very much outside that head coach. Yeah. So we don't know. So when I see stuff like that, where it's like, oh, the, this person deserves it. What's going on? Like, Becky's going to be awesome wherever she goes. It's like, I don't know. She might be terrible. We have no idea. We have no idea. I, I don't I, know. I, I I just hope that she actually gets a – she actually gets a a decent Look, gig. It, like, it, she, it's not like we're just saying, hey, go ahead, take this job, and you don't set that person up for success. It's going to be a, I'm trying to wonder how much of a media circus it's going to be. They're going to be, look, no matter where she goes, there is a segment of the population that is going to say they only gave it to her because she's a yep. woman. Well, we call that they, uh, outkickthecoverage.com. Yeah. Okay. There's going to be, there's going to be a segment of the population that's going to believe that there's going to be another segment of the population that is going to say she's great no matter what she does because yes. she's a woman and they want a woman to succeed. Um, they're on, I can look, look at me being fair and balanced and shit. Um, Hell yeah, yeah, like there are, there are partisan pressures that will, what I say that because what I'm saying is that like her success or failure as a head coach, as the first woman to coach a professional team in a men's league in any sport will be so, it will be fraught. Let's call it that way. And there are going to be pressures on it will be viewed as a as a partisan, um, like you know, blow up a clown that you punch 
no matter what happens, and it's going to be kind of annoying. Um, so success or failure or not, I think it's in her best interest to go somewhere where, one, no one is going to be expecting the Spurs to go on another 20-year run of dominance once Pop leaves, so expectations are low. Two, no one pays attention to the Spurs until Pop and Duncan showed up, and unless they're wildly successful, no one will again. So there's not a huge media spotlight on them, as opposed to the national spotlight that will be there anyway. And three, you know, I'm assuming it seems like now having coached with that team for X number of years, she, she's in a fairly comfortable situation, both with management and the existing roster. It seems like that's the best place for her to go, as opposed to say, I don't know, going to work for the Knicks or something, which would have a whole other series of pressures. And perhaps I don't want to say a less than ideal environment to cultivate winning basketball. Uh, yeah, well, I was going to say b- before the Knicks, I, w- I was going to say a place like Atlanta where there's maybe not that much of an expectation. Yeah, Nick, to Nick Pierce is good. Nick Pierce is a good coach. I like Nick Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, and, I'm, and this is nothing against Stop Atlanta. Stop throwing Pierce to the door, Andrew. The anti-Lloyd <laughs> Pierce bias has been noted. I, 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 noted. I, wasn't talk- I wasn't even talking about Lloyd Pierce. I was talking about the actual structure of the team, Bob. Kiss my ass. Um, is, this the kind of, is, this, is this because you have a crush on Jamie Gertz? Is that why? Uh, Noted Atlanta Hawks owner Jamie Gertz. Uh, uh, I don't. Know I don't miss that. those cringy videos. That, that. I don't. I. I'm not even going to dignify that with a response. Um, well, to, use, to use the parlance of our times, Jamie Gertz in the '80s was a smoke show. And I'll leave. <laughs> oh God, this feels like a frat house. Um, <laughs> seen the last. Has anyone seen The Lost Boys? No? Okay, moving on. Yeah, I have, and I, yes. Actually, a decent movie. Um, No, I was going to say, you know, just in terms of a young team that, you know, could go somewhere, but at the same time, you have a GM, you have a, uh, you know, front office structure that isn't great, or 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 that won't the needle. I'm not sure that that's Travis Blank knows what he's doing. That might be a that a that's what my fear is when it, when and if she gets a gets a job. Maybe it's with San Antonio. Maybe it's somewhere else. But that is my biggest fear that it's going to be that type of oh here's the team and then they poorly mismanage it, but then throw it on her. But that's every situation. That's literally we see that in sports right. all the time. You know, there are all these attendant pressures that have nothing yeah. to do with coaching when it comes to her, and I and that's why I still think like if she, I mean, who knows? Maybe she does not want to be a head coach. Yeah, I think she's. I don't think she said outright anywhere in interviews that is what I want to do. So maybe she doesn't. But I, I would think that that staying in San Antonio is probably a best case scenario for for succeeding true I, I know she was a candidate for the indiana job um but obviously if that didn't go far but i would have well, they, they picked a different woman they picked bjork so you have to applaud them for the <laughs> oh that is one thing that i will say that's going to happen with her is what? i think you're going to see her name pop up just for teams to say hey we're, oh, we uh, we're diversifying our coaching search when they already know that they're hiring Tyron Lue. Like, I could see that becoming a thing for her, where her name pops up as a candidate and not being a real candidate, and that's going to be annoying. I think we'll see that for a couple years. That I will 
say is probably going to be. Yeah, um, I, I, I think it's going to it's probably going to take a team like the Knicks to make it like so egregious where it's going to be like you're going to bring her in for multiple interviews and then I'm you're going to. I'm it still out mad about the Knicks hiring kids, guys. I'm still not cool with that. I wanted a cool, <clears throat> different, young, cool, innovative coach. I did not want Tibbs brought back. I'm still not happy. I'm just letting everyone know that. Tibbs, that. Tibbs is going to be fun. And, and, and when I say fun, I mean, holy crap, practice is going to suck for the young guys. <laughs> That's fine. The young guys on that team suck anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like there's much, like, they got, like, the Knicks' exciting young players begins and ends with Mitch Robinson. Speaking of Louisiana, I don't know. I'm still kind of a sneaky RJ Barrett guy. I'm a no, sneaky. no. Yeah. Did you watch a lot of RJ Barrett? I did. Year? So like RJ Barrett, I just I wanted to see him as the lead ball handler. Like I just want to see him because I think he actually has potential as a versatile, uh, defending all five positions kind of guy. I don't know. I still like RJ Barrett a little bit. If you polled NBA executives. <laughs> I don't think a single one of them would not take Tyler Hero over RJ Barrett right now. Yeah, if we it's if we if we did early. a redraft, it's if, too it, early. Like, I'm not a fan of redrafts. I think redrafts are no, are it's silly. Twenty twenty hindsight, yeah, yeah. I I, th- I think it's I think I think redrafts. I, mean, I get the appeal to them. I get the clickability to them. But I'm sorry, it's just kind of fucking bullshit. Um, yeah, but that said, Andrew, go on. I don't know. What I was gonna say. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, everyone, everyone thinks everyone thinks Tyler Harrow is the better prospect, right? I, now. I, th- I well, and, and I, I think that even coming out of the draft, like if it was Cam Reddish. I'm, I'm thinking just in terms of the Duke guys. I feel like yeah. Cam Reddish had, and maybe this is just me. I'm this is just my opinion, so I don't know if it's right or wrong. Who gives a shit? Uh, to me, Cam Reddish was the type that you could mold him into something. And so there yeah, was some I appeal liked, there. I like Cam. He had he had, he played like crap at Duke, but I always thought. But there, well, I've seen there both were... sides of him. I've seen him do three sixties in a Hawks uniform over the backboard on a fast break, and I've also seen him hit corner threes at a really good rate and just be an on-ball defender, kind of like Danny Green, where he's like going to full court press uh, the opposing best wing and just be a defensive monster. I've seen both sides. Yeah, he's good. I don't know if he's good. I still I want more consistency. We'll see. He could he could be a nice three and D wing. Yes, he could be. He could be. I don't know what. Here's the problem with R.J. Barrett. I have no idea what a good version of R.J. Barrett really does because he's clearly not a good enough scorer to be the primary focus of an offense. Now. Players get better from age 19 on. This happens quite often. I just don't see an evolutionary path for R.J. Barrett where he is the primary offensive option. So if he's not that, what is he? He's certainly not a floor spacer with his jump shot right now. He is an above-average passer, but I don't think you can have him play point guard. He is a solid rebounding wing. He has his moments on defense, but right now he's a mess. Um, he is, I just don't know what a successful, I just can't see a version of RJ Barrett. Like, I, I'm sorry, the player he most reminds me of is Tyree Kill. And the NBA has kind of phased Tyree Kill types out of the league at this point. Mm. 
I, I could see that. I, I yeah. Tyreek Hill think... or Tyreek Evans? Tyreek Evans. No, Tyreek Evans. Yeah. Well, because I, I, I was like, I was like, wait a minute, did I hear? Because I knew who you were talking no, 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 about, no. but I was like, uh, wait, 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 hold up, no, Bob, what the fuck? <laughs> I think he could be a solid wide receiver for the Jets. <laughs> is what I'm saying. I mean, no, to, be fair, to, be, to be fair, Bob, any of us could be a solid. Yeah, wide yeah, receiver. yeah. Did you see the thing about the Jets that just clicked the the Twitter? It just landed. No, God, what? No, it's great. God. I love it. It's great. Steve McClendon, who got traded from the Jets to the Bucks this week. Yeah. Told reporters that actually the Jets informed him he was being traded before the game again last week, and the Jets still played him. Jesus. Because you know when you've agreed to a deal to 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 send a guy packing, most quality organizations then. You know, put that player at risk of getting injured and having the whole deal fall apart. That's a normal thing that well-run teams do. That's, that's just that's, so poorly run, it is depressing. It's amazing. They go from one terrible GM to the next. I heard Joe Douglas was good. I liked him because he was a big uh, sort of beefy, thick boy with, with and bald, and I thought that seems like a good thing. <laughs> and, uh, no. and he came from winning organizations, but uh, no, like that. That just just got rubbed all over him real quick. Well, and see, so this summer when the whole Jamal Adams thing was going on and when they finally traded him, I was saying, oh, okay, so the Jets are going to waste all those draft picks on, you know, it's a good haul, but you have to remember, it's the Jets. It's not going to end well. I had a segment of Jets Twitter basically just absolutely – invaded my mentions basically telling me that i was wrong i was an idiot i was stupid and i'm sitting here like guys whether it happens soon or later the jets are gonna are are going to realize oh we're the jets we we are incompetent as hell oh it we aren't even to november and we're getting jet incompetency the really good cool going, thing, everybody. Really, the really the peak lol Jets moment that's going to happen is if they do go zero and sixteen, which is very much on the table. Um, Trevor Lawrence could decide to stay in school during a pandemic rather than get drafted by the Jets. Here's what I think is going to happen: you're going to have two, uh, two like two and fourteen teams. But yeah, like there, there are going to be two teams that, that finish with the same record, and I don't know if they still do it by coin flip. But basically, I think it's, it's I think I don't think they do that. I think it's, it's winning percentage head head. Yeah, it's like winning like winning percentage of head head matchup if available. Winning record against like opponents winning percentage. Like it's like it's who played the softer schedule. So they don't do coin going flip. to it's it's it, it, it's going to go down to one of those numbers and it's still going to find a way to screw the Jets over. So like somebody who doesn't need a quarterback necessarily or wouldn't be in the market for a quarterback is going to end up making that pick. So like Washington or New York. Washington is like in the market for a quarterback. All the terrible teams are in the market for a quarterback. Yeah, right well, I, I, will, I will disagree. I don't think that Haskins has been given a proper chance. But I, that's but, a different no. conversation. It's a different that's conversation. A, whether, whether or not, the proper whether or not Haskins has been given a chance. A of, yeah. yeah. Like, I believe Washington will draft a quarterback. 
Like Rivera just showed up. He's going to want his guy, whether that's Justin Fields or Trey Lance. Well, well, that that and when you're like willingly to, hey, hey, Alex Smith, you you almost had your leg amputated, right? <laughs> yeah. Hey, you want to go out there and uh, play the second half? Uh, His family sure, was I'm, in attendance for that. I just couldn't imagine. Like, I, I if I'm if if I I swear if I'm Dwayne Haskins, I would have rolled up a blunt, watched that game, and say, you know what, screw y'all. Screw you guys. Like that was one of those heartwarming NFL stories where I'm going like, yeah, that's like one of those heartwarming stories where like a kid has to like sell cookies to raise money for for her school surgery and everyone is yeah or like her parents surgery and everyone's like oh look what a feel-good story and i'm like no no that's a that's a story that indicates something has gone terribly horribly wrong no and and also like shouts to alex smith for coming back from his leg being uh, a giant cured salami but yes but I also don't think he should be allowed to play. Sorry, I can't watch agreed. him without just uh, thinking that his leg's going to fall off. I don't. Well, he, it's just, it it's might. Just bad. Leg might fall off. That so, leg might so, fall off. So, two things. Um, the fact that everybody was talking about how it was a heartwarming story, and I said, uh, guys, please. Uh, I was like, please Google before you talk about how heartwarming this is, because literally, they set a guy down fully healthy. And then manage, and then it, it was it's peak NFL. You're gonna sit a guy down who may not be effective, but literally you're gonna put a guy out there fresh off of 17 surgeries, and you're gonna put him out there against Aaron Donald. Smart move. But then Aaron Donald, when he sacked him, he was on the sideline. He's like, man, his leg strong as a motherfucker. That had me cracking up. Oh god! I was like, "Good job on the surgery, then, huh?" All those photos that, like, all the photos of swole Aaron Donald terrify me. That is just too—he looks like a freaking like Rob Liefeld strip. It, it doesn't look human. <laughs> I mean, except for the fact that you can see Aaron Donald's hands and feet. Aside from that, it looks like a Rob Liefeld strip. Speaking of crazy NFL bodies, uh, Antonio Brown oh, is. God. Uh, Maybe coming back in the NFL. Uh, the guy, I don't know if you remember, did you hear about this? You heard about this? Uh, the guy who froze his feet off not too long ago. That was uh, something Antonio Brown did, um, along with a lot of other just uh, not Remember when that things. was the craziest thing he did? Yeah, that. Alleged, a lot of alleged crimes. Let's, yes. let's phrase it that way. A lot of really, really terrifying alleged crimes. Um, well, hold on, Bob. Uh, Russell Wilson said he's been humbled. And if there is one thing I know, it's that Russell Wilson knows when a guy like Antonio Brown has been humbled. I think we take his word for it. I think Antonio Brown's changed. I think we're good. Let's just sign him up. This is going to go great. I think you do it. Wilson has spoken. Why not? Look, <laughs> I, I'm, I, I am personally, unlike unlike many of my peers, I'm of the belief that if a person is... Uh, is not incarcerated and the NFL team wants to play him, that they should absolutely do so. Let the free market decide, man. Like if, if people have a problem with the NFL employing an accused, someone who's been accused of crimes, well then the consumer can, can vote with their pocketbooks and choose not to watch. But I don't think it's a good idea to deny someone a job if the league is willing to pay them. And if you want to say that the system, when it comes to adjudicating 
alleged acts of domestic violence is inefficient and uh, uh, flawed and often fails victims of domestic violence. Well, that's a conversation I'm happy to have. And I would agree with you. But I just don't know that Antonio Brown should be necessarily um, barred from employment. That's my spicy take. I, I don't think the NS, like having sports league serve as a shattered judiciary has been, I, I think that is a terrible idea, which has resulted mm. in a lot of abilities of the NFL to, let's say, grandstand in particular, or the or Major League Baseball, you know, to uh, claim a moral high ground that they don't really deserve. And again, I don't think a corporation should have its own investigative body. That seems like a bad idea to me. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I agree with that. My, my The only issue that I have with Antonio Brown coming back is – what he did going from Oakland or from Pittsburgh to Oakland to New England, to me, that is that to, to, to me, that's more. And yeah, you know, he had some off the field issues that are bad and should maybe or some would use that. I go in a different direction and use the fact that he basically, you know, how do I put it? He he gimmicked his way going from one team to another, and it didn't work out for him. So if Seattle, and I don't think they will struggle, uh, if Seattle hits a rough patch. I, I don't know why. Like that, That's the weird part of this story is, like, does Seattle really need another wide receiver? I feel like I, between Metcalf and Lockett, and you're probably going to get Josh Gordon back in like two or three weeks once he's reinstated. Do yeah, do you need another wide receiver? Uh, I know that they've worked out together this summer, um, Russell and and Antonio Brown. I I, I've, I talked to our Seahawks beat writer about this, and he was like, people want to see it, but it's more of the front office, you know, drama that comes with it. I think it would be okay, but yeah, it's. Well, I mean, like, look, if Seattle feels the need for a, a another wideout, and like Antonio Brown is probably like, I'm assuming he, you know, there may be a little rust after having not played for over a year. And I'm sure there is. Like, you know, sure, why not? I, I you know, it, it's um. Eh, it seems like a weird place for him to land. I guess the feeling is more or less stable organization with clear leadership structure, a good coach with some very weird ideas in Pete Carroll. Um, and uh, yeah, you know, see if it can work out. And if it doesn't, well, you take whatever PR hit after a week or so and, and wash your hands of the whole thing. So I understand it. It's just, I feel like when it comes to outrage about, certain crimes that athletes have been accused of. And, and again, I want to stress that like athletes as a whole are inclined towards criminal behavior than any other segment of the population. In many instances, they commit them at a lower rate. Domestic violence is one area though, where athletes have been charged at a higher rate than the general population. 
and and I think we've kind of moved on from the oh no we need to be scared of these athletes these criminal athletes phase and moved into a slightly different kind of demonization, but like I kind of think yeah if the team wants to hire them they should and if the Seahawks feel like they can get a nice third wideout yeah go for it you guys that's fine. I also just. I've always been kind of annoyed. Like, I don't like when greatness just disappears for dumb reasons. Like, Derrick Brown is one of the best receivers I've seen in my lifetime, and him just disappearing and him just throwing it all away in his prime really, really bothers me still. Like, I just hate that he was just gone and that he's just been gone. He hasn't apologized to you once. That seems weird to me, that he never actually apologized to you, Chase Thomas, for that. I thought so too. I thought, um, especially with just how this podcast is growing and the kind of footprint that I have um, across NFL fan bases all over the country, that Antonio would have um, at least wrote a handwritten letter to my PO box. I'm still waiting, Antonio. I, okay. I thought that would have been more than fair. Um, but who knows? Maybe that's what he's working on. Maybe that's the the last hurdle he has to. He has to jump over before he can get reinstated. I'm sure Russell Wilson would approve of an extensive letter writing campaign. That I, I, I like. Okay, that. that was funny. That, I like that. That. That, that. that was funny. Are y'all watching the World Series? Begrudgingly, yes. yes. Okay. Yeah, I am. It's been fun. It has been fun. fun uh, I'm. Fun I okay. So I'm a huge. I'm a purist. I'm not like, you know, the old, you know, old white guy curmudgeon purist, but I love <laughs> seeing those like those traditional powers and those and those classic franchises go out in the World Series. It's still weird for me to watch Tampa in a World <laughs> Series. And, and and this is nothing against them. This is nothing against them. Because I think the fact that they have been somewhat competitive in in, in in the last decade it helps but still it's still watching them in the world series is weird uh, because i'm always you know the tampa bay rays did not make the best first impression and those first impressions kind of tend to stick with you a little bit so like the fact that they're still playing in that absolute dump in in St. Petersburg kind of irks me. The trap. The trap. And, and I'm just like, ugh. I'm like, uh, I'm like, they're gonna if they win a World Series, which I have the Dodgers winning in six because I'm stupid. But if Tampa wins a World Series, they're gonna bring a banner back to that dump. And I'm just gonna like, ugh, this is so stupid. Like I really wanted the Astros. It, it, to me, it, to me, it's if the Astros are going to do it, like win the World Series. You know, take take your steel chair out to the out to the field every day. Just flash the ring. Do what you got to do. But when I saw Tampa win, I'm like, okay, cool, cool. They're going to win a World Series. They're going to bring it back to that dump. Like, and they aren't. They aren't tanking like you know someone like they 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 aren't pulling a uh, Florida Marlins which is we're gonna you know shoot for a World Series and we're just gonna parachute in like we you know like we give a damn every year uh, but they're building something but I'm just like ugh Tampa a World Series this is gross this is so fucking gross <laughs> ugh. 
no, I hear what Andrew's talking about. Like they, what the Rays have figured, what the Rays do is they, within the confines of a very limited payroll, um, they maximize the value. Like they do it in a less. They're not like the Houston Astros in which you could tell that they just stole a bunch of like how-to manuals from whatever McKinsey office they all arrived from and copied it word for word, except they wrote in like, you know, George Springer instead of fixed bread prices in Canada. But they like, they are in fact what Tampa does so well. And the reason why they can trot out this seemingly endless bullpen of guys who throw 97 miles per hour or more is they find undervalued assets on other teams, help them to max and help them to be the best version of themselves. And doing a lot of that at the margins results in a hole that is greater than any one singular part. So uh, I understand how that can be kind of grating and annoying. And the name Tampa Bay Rays sucks and they should still wear their very silly rainbow uniforms because I think Devil Rays needs to come back. It, it, I yeah. hated those so much. I, I still did the devil rays, and they can still wear the ugly uniforms. That is my that is my. Oh, we're on the same. We're on the same page, Bob. Yeah, um, I think that name was changed because too many people in Florida freaked out about them being associated with my Lord and God Satan. So I think that was the reason why, or they felt like the team was. If memory serves, some marketing executive told them the team isn't catching on because. They are too clearly associated with Beelzebub and not. Oh, God. So they just changed it to Rays to make it clearer that they are not aligned with Lucifer. So I think they should go back. You had to do it. You had to do it. Yeah. They sold they they sold their soul for a cheap for a more family friendly name. Congratulations. The other great example of that in Major League Baseball history is in the mid-1950s, the Cincinnati Reds freaked out because they were... Oh, the Red Scare. (laughs) Yes! They briefly were like, oh no, we just want to make it clear that we're not communists. (laughs) We're called the Reds, yes, but we're not communists. So for a chunk of time, like right at the heart of the McCarthy era, the Cincinnati Reds were called the Red Legs. Just I was going to say, is is Joe McCarthy going to go to Crosley Field and like uh, <laughs> just like 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 start freaking riots every week? I uh, have in my hand a list of the entire twenty-five man roster. Four <laughs> members of the Communist Party. And like, dude, we're just trying to we're we're fourth in the National League right now, man. <laughs> have you seen Joe Nuxall? He can really pitch. Um, <laughs> not. A member of the CPUSA can really pitch. But, yeah, the Reds did that for like about, I think it was like five or six years. They were, they were like, Red Legs, that's our name now. Cincinnati Red Legs, go Red Legs. And when, and when and nobody really like kind of sort of no, gave it. No, it never it like, caught on. It, like <laughs> newspapers couldn't really deal with it. And they were like, fine, we're the Reds again. It's <laughs> like early. By the time they made it back to the World Series against the Yankees in 61, I think, yeah, they were the Reds again. I'm pretty sure. Sparky Anderson's own. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Young, a, a 55-year-old Sparky Anderson was, in fact, managing the team that year. Mm, I knew it. I love Sparky Anderson. An, all, an all-time great baseball name. Um, 
Bob, are you excited as Andrew and I that uh, the Big Ten is back this weekend? Uh, what is? Are you penciling in uh, some time to watch Illinois Wisconsin tonight in the Big Ten Network? I, I feel as a reporter, I have to go watch Northwestern. That feels mm. like a that is something you have the- to do. Did you read uh, yeah. uh, Spencer Hall's Northwestern description? I did. It was awesome. That's why I mentioned it. <laughs> uh, like Spencer Hall just eviscerating Northwestern was particularly delightful. I recommend. Wait, it. wait. Oh, did he? Did he put something together? This oh, week? you haven't seen this, Andrew. No, I have not. Hold on, it's I gotta delightful. pull this up. I might need to read just the, a couple paragraphs on this podcast. Hold on, uh, it's it's unbelievable. Spencer is like one of those writers that like you read their stuff and you're like, I, my brain doesn't think like this. Like, there's no chance I could recreate any of this kind of uh, style. You have to go to a dark, you have to go to a dark, weird, hilarious, strange place to do that. So when you read Spencer Hall, you gotta know like. I told I told a friend of mine this. I said, when you read a Spencer Hall column or anything from the the SB Nation and uh, anybody from that crew, if you're reading something from there, you gotta essentially take your brain out and and not think too critically, and then you're gonna you're gonna understand stuff. Okay, um, here we go. I I got to read a couple points here. Um, if Northwestern fell into the lake, there would be 3,000 tweets from journalists about what a loss it is, and Evanston would celebrate having a new beach. The Big Ten would steal Vanderbilt from the SEC and not even flinch. That is so damn true. It's... <laughs> I have, like... I'm trying to think. I went to... I went to I've been to... I went to... Not to sound like a total... I did go to a couple of, like, Harvard-Yale games, and that was fun and kind of a drunken... I'm hanging out with uh, future uh, Masters of the Universe and rapacious evil overlords kind of way. That was fun. Um, I went to one Columbia University game uh, up at Baker Field. That was fun. But I haven't been to college football games. It really... It, it kind of makes me sad because, by all accounts, it's, it's so much more pleasant than an NFL game and really fun and but i haven't gotten to do that i'm kind of upset the invitation in knoxville is all this is over when all this is over one of you should take me to an sec game so i can i can soak in the whole thing well i'm in so yeah um what like what kind of sec experience do you want that's the first question Okay, so let's you know, give me the give me the Chinese menu. What's column A? What's column B? And what's column C? Okay, so column A is your it's football, but you aren't getting that experience. So, aka Vanderbilt uh, went to a K State Vanderbilt game, and Vanderbilt Stadium is small anyway, but. It's everybody else's fans that are there. You're not getting a true home field experience. So you've got that. Uh, Column B is depending on the game. So like your Mississippi State's, your old Miss. Actually, more Mississippi State. Uh, But like Column C is like your full-on experience. It doesn't matter who's playing. So go to a game at Tennessee. Go to Tennessee, Florida is fantastic. Uh, yeah, that's what I want. In the cold. I want, yes. I want a true experience of, I want the true, I want the full cultural package of the U.S. South. 
Okay. Only gotten in like bits and pieces. And I and and, and I don't want to sound like a northern, not eastern snob. Like I've spent a lot of time. I spent some time in California. I spent a lot some time in the Midwest. I spent time in Texas, and I spent time in like the mountain, the Big Sky country. But I really haven't done much time in the U.S. South, so I feel like I'm missing out on that. So the Grove, the two places that pop up instantly, the Grove. I've never seen a game at the Grove, um, but I feel like it would be pretty badass. Also, uh, LSU. I feel like LSU is the best way to experience it. Um, I call LSU my, my, uh, that is like my spirit school, essentially. So... Yeah, if I can if I can go to an LSU game and get the full like people drinking bourbon and making gumbo at eight a.m., yes, please, I will take that. Yeah, that's and, what I want. And I possibly, and possibly food. might be still hammered by the time that that the game kicks off at night. I'll absolutely take that. Yeah, that that seems like that seems that seems. That seems like the thing for me. I got to go to the USL. Yeah, you you do. And then like Tennessee Bama is probably the one I would in I would uh I would bring you in for because uh, Bama fans and Tennessee fans obviously just a lot of animosity there, long history. But like Bama fans travel very well and they are just so confident because they just win all the time and just being used to that. And then you got to go to a a fan base where like they talk themselves into it all week so you can see like before the game the before anything's happening they're like you know what we might keep this a little bit close this year south they're, carolina yeah you see the hope a little bit you see the that beautiful southern hope that your team wouldn't that any be given tennessee? saturday wouldn't, the, wouldn't that be tennessee too it would be tennessee and <laughs> um then you just get it stomped and just looking around bob and seeing all the memes everywhere everywhere you look you turn around and you see this poor twenty-year-old kid, just hunched over in tears with a Miller Light. Risking the hand. Rona. Yeah, it um, it's it's a tradition like no other. Yeah, I want that. That sounds cool. <laughs> when we can travel again, I want to do that. I got to do right. that. I like just it. just you know what? It, just just do something for the Daily Beast, where essentially you just go around. Each oh, how can I fob off this, this massive travel budget for a blog? That should be. Let me see if I, I may need a while to work up that pitch. I I, I miss the days where like Sports Illustrated would send a writer just around for literally like a season. Like I wasn't that Dan. I think Rubenstein's it was Austin Murphy. Bit? Yeah, for SI on campus that was fun um but no austin murphy wrote a book where basically he just went around all season long and just covered games and i'm like yeah nobody can do that now and that was like 2006 like now everything is so restricted travel wise and all these places don't have budgets anymore and it it, it all went to Wright thompson he gets the last Uh, I like Wright Thompson, but yeah, there's sometimes where it's just like, damn. Oh, some of us also care about college football too. Shit. <laughs> Let Andrew travel. 2020. Um, yes. What was the best thing y'all read this week, Andrew? You go first. Read or watch? Uh, the best thing I read didn't really do much reading this week. I was uh, tired. Uh, best thing <laughs> I watched 
was the my my timeline when uh, adjusting your pants and at home <laughs> masturbation was being justified <laughs> because and I'm not advocating for it by the way I'm just like what the hell and then I saw a woman looking uh. after Andy Reid saying that she she thought Andy Reid looked sexy <laughs> and I'm just kind of at the point where I'm like you know what we have been in quarantine for entirely too long. Yeah, the cranking the hog tent this week. It was a really, it was a really good week for for horny older gentlemen of a certain age content. Really it's like good. They were like, it was like, who among us hasn't? And it's like, wait a minute, wait, hold on, hold on. Hold on. None, none of us have. None of us have. <laughs> Like, None of us have. Like no man. one does this. Okay, so like we're all we're all in these Zoom meetings, we're all on these calls. The last thing I'm thinking about is doing that. Like, no. I, like if anything, no. I'm just like, please, I don't want to be on this call anymore. Like I'll sit there, do dishes, I will clean my house. I I I, 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 I try to make sure that if that if nothing else, please. The one alley that is visible of my apartment that is visible from behind the Zoom camera is immaculate because I'm scared of being apartment messy shamed by the Zoom call, let alone possibly cranking the hog. And oh yeah, I feel like I hate I hate the whole video aspect of of all of these calls. It's like, well, we want to see our face. I don't want to see all faces right now. No one sees anyone's face. All I do is on all of them. It's it's a wonderful exercise in people's perceived like narcissism every single person on a zoom call is freaking out because they think oh my god everyone is looking at me and judging me in some way or another or at least i would say a great many people have a certain amount of anxiety about being judged for their appearance the appearance of their apartment etc cetera, etc cetera. The, the the twitter zoom like room raider account is a prime example of this and every single zoom call that i am on at least all I do is stare at my own face to make sure I'm okay. And I yes. have to realize that every single person on that call is also just staring at their own face and far more concerned with what's happening to themselves to ever give a honking crap about you. Right. Like, and, and first off, I'm sorry. We're in an existential crisis. And I don't know if this is like a if, – if, if, if this is just the guy who doesn't have a care in the world, clearly he doesn't, old Jeffrey Tubin. Uh, a good verb. Thank you. Um, like I, I will be like, saying too. The world from is here on burning. The, the, the world is burning. Everything sucks right now. I'm sorry. I'm not turned on by that. <laughs> it was amazing. We got, we got, we got, we got uh, Jeffrey's Tubin on Monday, and then two days later, the Borat film. Gets reviewed. We get get Rude's quote unquote tucking in his shirt for an inordinate period of time. I have a a question. So, with the whole Jeffrey Tubin thing, because all of a sudden people started like doing parody videos, and and, and I I have not looked. I I do not want to look. As far as I know, there is no video of. Okay, good. 
the incident. Good. That is not a thing you need to mute various words on Twitter to avoid. Okay. No one recorded that meeting. It was merely leaked to Vice what happened in the meeting. Okay, um, good, good. Because yes. I was. There, I there was, are stills and video from the Borat movie, though, that can be readily. Yes. Uh, I actually want- saw the cl- Someone posted the clip like right before I went to bed last night. And I was like, oh, oh okay. All right. And, and I went to I, I went to sleep and I'm just like, okay. Like eventually I'm gonna watch that movie, but yeah. I, 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 I will send it to you. I'll send it to you later. I have it on my hard oh, drive. Yeah, I, I got it on uh Prime. Like I, I told myself I was gonna watch it this morning and I'm just like I woke up, it's cloudy, it's raining. I don't know. I can't I've I've read some reviews. I read like Matt Solar Sites' review. I read uh, I think uh, the view in Vulture. I just don't know if like there's something that 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 both reviews hinted at, which is this very like what made Borat work in 2006 was the degree to which it revealed that if you just underneath the surface of every seemingly normal looking and sounding and acting American is some very, very creepy and weird shit and some terrible, terrible ideas mm-hmm. that you do not, that it did not take much provocation for the average American to say something nightmarish and horrible, let alone <laughs> racist, sexist and, and, and dumb. And getting those people, in, which was, you know, the brilliance of the both like the Ali G show and and, and and that movie is like, OK, this is what people will do with when once the cameras start rolling. Um, and I think what has happened in the ensuing 14 years is we have become so accustomed to speaking of Zoom meetings that to us that the cameras are rolling all the time. That people are very that we that we don't need to have the horribleness revealed. Like that's not the subtext anymore. That's the surtext. That is right on the surface there. And I'm not sure if the bit works when in this environment because, like, look at the world. <laughs> like, We're so exhausted. People, yeah, people doing hor- people do promote the horrible things they do themselves as a matter of course, and they don't need any help from this particular clown. Um, and I think clown in a river. Yeah. I don't need, we don't need help from, from the funny foreigner to, to, to have that revealed about it. Fun clowning fact about, about good old Sasha Baron Cohen. Sasha Baron Cohen went to a very, uh, also went to a snooty French clown school. A different mm. snooty French class school than the one I went to. That's called uh, Ecole uh, Philippe Collier. And the funny thing, the thing that is funny to me, at least, is that what Borat is doing to all of his interview subjects is exactly what Collier would do in his classes. He would put people up, put them into situations, have them perform, and then ritualistically humiliate them for the horrible things they said and did. And it's it's exciting to me as. <laughs> As a student of this particular art form, to watch it put on the big screen, my complaints about the the national zeitgeist and whether that kind of comedy still works, notwithstanding. Honestly, I think I, I, I think there is a way that, like, say if okay, if twenty twenty wasn't such bullshit and wasn't <laughs> such it wasn't the worst year ever, I think there could be a bit of a oh hey, guess what. 
this is, you know, hey, Borat, new Borat movie, ha ha ha. But now, like, yeah. remember that thing you liked? It's back. Yeah, and it's like now you're just kind of like, oh, fuck. Yeah, it's, a Borat. it's like it's like it's a Borat movie. It's like cool, okay. I'll see it when I see it. But now you have, oh, by the way, the pres, the lawyer and advisor <laughs> to the leader of the free world is <laughs> apparently pulling out little Rudy and oh yeah by the way he's he 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 might be compromised in terms of national security and foreign intelligence so yeah <laughs> yeah it's a little too close to the bone I think, i'm mentally good. exhausted just thinking about that off the top of my head and i may yeah. not watch that movie for another week now so I just talked myself out of <laughs> out of weekend viewing. I did, yeah, I don't know if I need to see the whole movie, but I very much enjoyed Rudy getting busted. That to me was hilarious. That was my favorite. Well, thing especially because he like, didn't he brag about never getting like never getting uh, caught up in the Borat bit. Like he laughed at other people getting caught up in it. Mm-hmm. Imagine it. Yeah, like that's the best part is that he really like him. He just called the shit. fucking cops, man. He called the cops. He called the cops on Cohen and said, "Yeah, he didn't trick me." He's a liar. He was a liar 20 years ago. But he was hey, always a liar. Noun, noun verb, 9-11, baby. Oh, God. I'm not going to get into my Rudy Giuliani screed. I'm leaving that for another day. <laughs> I'm going to save that for the next, I'm going to save that for the next face plant involving the America's mayor. We'll save that for the Mr. Deeds recap show. We'll do next Friday. Was he Mr. Deeds or was it one of the other Adam Sandler movies? Was it Big Daddy, Mr. Deeds? I thought he was in one of those, the endings of one of those. Oh, uh, uh, he was in, I, I want to say Mr. Deeds. That's what I thought. Okay. Uh, really? Wow. Yeah, I think he's in that closing park segment. Um, I, I could be wrong, but I I could I could be wrong. Um, all right, guys. America's mayor, baby. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, thank you. That's uh, the movie I would watch. Um. Bob, what can we read from you or check out from you that you would like to blow before we get out of here today? Uh, remember the story I mentioned last week? Yes, well, I do. It's happening. It's hopefully it should be happening this week. So that. There yeah, we go. I got a cool story, I think, coming this week. Hopefully, uh, you know, the editing process sometimes takes time, and this is one of those times. So, yeah, that. If not, I'm working, you know, some other stuff. Okay. Uh, by the way, I forgot to give my pick of the week. Um, it comes from Current Affairs. Uh, that I, I very much love this website. It's my favorite place to read. Like I love reading CurrentAffairs.org. Um, just the writing's very different, and I I like it. Um, they did a comic. Uh, Matt Lubchonsky did a comic on the time travels of Ben Shapiro. Nice. It, Wait, hold on, hold on. Can you say that one more time for me? The time travels of Ben Shapiro. Oh, Jesus Christ, that sounds fucking terrible. The comics are incredible. Like, I highly encourage everybody to go check this out on Current Affairs. It, It is delightful. Him just walking around, interrupting people from different eras, and just being Ben Shapiro's... It's, in, it's incredible. Highly, highly, highly encourage you to check it out. But anyway, Andrew, what can we check out from you this week in the Tacoma News Tribune or on, uh, on the podcasting front that does not have to do with the Chase Most Podcast? Absolutely. Uh, it is Into the Archives with a ham, and guess what? We have the first episode of the uh, BCS uh, 
talking about the beginning of the BCS and oh my god, this Ben Shapiro thing is actually very hilarious. <laughs> um, I, I will be reading it as soon as we're done here. Um, but no, so I had Jack Crosby on from uh, CBSSports.com, the college football editor over at CBSSports.com. Uh, he and I talked about um, <laughs> sorry, I just saw a tweet that said uh, it was a picture of Rudy Giuliani in his uh, in his uh, shoes, and somebody said he's rocking the Tom Dempsey's, and I just, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, Rudy Giuliani no. married his cousin. Can we say that now? Rudy Giuliani <laughs> married his cousin. <laughs> um, there, there, there's a term that there, there's a term that I once learned. That you know, people are called, but I won't. I won't talk about it. But um, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> thank you, Bob. <laughs> uh, but no. So uh, uh, Jack and I, we talked about the BCS, the beginning of the BCS, from uh, uh, basically how how and why it was created to uh, to the year two thousand. So uh, we will have episode two uh, covering two thousand one to two thousand six of the BCS. And yeah, uh, so we got a lot of good th- things going on over at uh, Into the Archives with Aham. All right, go check all that out. Go check out ChaseOnsPodcast.com. And if you like today's episode, make sure to leave us a rating and a review. Um, we are the sports reporters, and we do this every single Friday on the Chase Ones Podcast. Thank you, as always, for listening, and uh, we will be back next week. Have a great weekend, guys. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah. From self-help books to meditation, we work hard to find peace of mind. Xfinity Home helps you rest easy with a total home security solution. Installed by experts and powered by secure and reliable Xfinity Wi-Fi, you'll get 24-7 professional monitoring with fast response times and real-time alerts, like when doors and windows are opened. Rest easier with Xfinity Home. Learn more at Xfinity.com slash home security. Restrictions apply. Residential customers only. Requires compatible high-speed internet. Professional installation required.